the darkest storm, it is saying that I don't care what the circumstances might present. My faith and belief is in the one who has plunged me to victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that isn't just cheerleading, folks. That is an absolute fact that you can back up that truck and pour the semen on, folks. In fact, it is the very rock that Jesus told Peter the church would be built upon. Hallelujah. And that's the victory in the one that would build his house upon the rock. Hallelujah. And that rock is my precious Savior, yours and mine, Jesus Christ, who gave his all for us, folks. Hallelujah. And it's a little token, folks, that even in the darkest hour, we can raise our head and let him in his glory, by faith and thanksgiving, raise your countenance. The Bible says he's the glory and the lifter of our head. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we look to you this morning and we ask that you would lift our heads this morning, oh God. Lift our heads, oh God. We thank you, Father, that there is no name that has been named. There is no authority in hell or in this earth or in the skies above. There is no man, there is no woman, there is nothing that supersedes your greatness, Jesus. There is nothing that can suppress your people who would put their hope in the Lord. And we thank you this morning and declare, oh God, with our lips that we put our hope in you this morning. Hallelujah. And we just affirm that commitment this morning, oh God. Thank you. Thank you for the precious, precious blood of our Savior Jesus. And we glorify him this morning. We glorify him above all things. Jesus, we know that when you were lifted up, that it said you would draw all men unto you, and we're asking that happen this morning. Draw us, O Lord, again. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation, O God. Because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Oh, Father, would you, would you use the vessel that would yield himself unto you? Would you fill the vessels that would yield themselves unto you, Lord God? And the answer is yes. And amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Does anybody have a little tweak of joy here? Praise God. Does anybody believe that Jesus is on the throne this morning? Hallelujah. Even in your darkest hour. I need that organ playing. Even in your darkest hour. I tell you what, I may be white on the outside, but brother, I bleed the same color blood you all bleed, bleed, and everyone else that has a little color on their skin this morning. Come on now, we cut from the same cloth. Sometimes I get a little bit jealous of, of my colored brothers and sisters because they've got things inside of them God didn't put in me. I can't dance to save my life. I've got some beat and some meter, but I don't have one of them voices that can sing a hundred notes in one second. I wish I did. I wish I did, but God made me who I am, brother. I can't help it. (laughs) So I'm just going to be thankful for what I've got. Amen. Hallelujah. And give the glory to God in the process. Man, I tell you what, I think it did me happy already. <laughs> Has anybody ever laughed in their life? <laughs> How about laughing this morning? Can anyone laugh this morning? Can you see your circumstance under your feet rather than above you? Ha ha ha! Hallelujah. That's right, he fills our mouth with laughter. He anoints our head as he did the master with the oil of gladness. Hallelujah. Raising us above our companions because our companions don't know about that hope. 
So many of them don't. So our head should be above our companions that don't know God. Come on now. Oh, Father, well, we want to talk about what you bring. So I'm not going to be so worried about my notes, but I do have five pages of them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen to what this says, Isaiah 61.3. Well, let's, let's, start up, let's start out here with Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Who spoke those words at one point in time besides Isaiah? Oh, yeah, that's right. Would you listen to him speaking this morning? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. And to comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning. And splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. My goodness, who's he talking about here? He's talking about us. Hallelujah. Has anyone been a prisoner in their life? Have you been set free by this anointing? By the anointed one and his anointing? Has anyone mourned in your life? And maybe you're mourning now. Would you be comforted this morning? Hallelujah. Has anyone had, had a crown of ashes? In other words, everything you've ever known has gone up in a puff of smoke. As it seems, circumstances of life have dealt you one blow after the next from the time of your birth. I'm here to tell you this morning you can have a different ending to your story. Because my word and my precious Savior said he was anointed to crown people that had ashes on their head with the beauty of his favor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to talk about salvation this morning. Amen. We're going to get back to the basics. We're talking about, can everyone say this with me? Identity. We're continuing on, we being the, the preacher's club. <laughs> That's an inside joke. <laughs> They know how much I don't like that, that name. Anyway, Pastor CJ and, and Cornell and I, that happened to be, uh, you know, just <laughs> grace to be able to stand before you and, and deliver the word of God in the season. The season that we're entering, we felt like we went, we went away for a retreat. And uh, the Lord gave us a lot of stuff, didn't he? It was awesome how it all came together. The bottom line is, is the series is an identity, a series on identity. And so we're going to talk about many different aspects of identity. Man, Cornell did a great job last week of delivering in one 45-minute presentation the importance of the Word of God. And the reason for that is because everything is founded in the Word, folks. Everything is founded in the Word. And, you know, I was thinking about that, and I felt like the Lord showed me something I've never seen before. And it's so maybe I'm just a simpleton and I didn't see it, but you all have all seen this. But you know, I want to ask you something this morning. So many people think about well, the word, the word, the word. Why is it always the word? Why do we always hear Pastor Dale talk about get in the word? Why do we always hear about Pastor CJ? Get in the word, read the word, Cornell, Greg, all the other leaders and people in your lives that have talked about that. Well, let me ask you a question. Why do people write letters? Okay, to communicate. Give what's in your heart. Let's get even more simple than that. I mean, communication is the first reason why. But why, there's many vehicles of communication, right? We could communicate many, many different ways. Okay, document. You want to document? Man, that's a good reason. But let's get even simpler than that. 
if you receive a letter, is the re- isn't it true that the reason why you receive a letter is because that person can't be with you in person? Let me, let me say this. It's not that the Father God's not with us. He's with us right now. He's inside of you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within. And he says if anyone would answer, he, they would, he would come in and live there. In his precious essence of life, the Holy Ghost inside of us. With us all the time. He don't leave and forsake us. But here's the issue. That's a different dimension than this dimension. Than the dimension that I can feel pain in, that I can see with these eyes and hear with these ears and speak with this mouth. That's a different dimension. So guess what? Simply, the Word of God is His Word that is constantly present in the dimension that we live in. You want to know why how important it is? It's as important as you having a near and present word at all times that you don't have to worry about transcending dimensions because it's right here in immediate access. Wow, that blew my socks off. I mean, it did. Because God is so thorough and he wants to make contact so much that he's covered all dimensions. We know he's in the spirit and that's how we receive of him. That's not a, not to be, uh, you know, argued. But the thing is, so oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I don't find myself always in the spirit. I find myself soul dominated and body dominated because this is what I can taste. This is what I can, can touch. This is what I can hear. This is what I can see. This is what I can smell. And so guess what? God is so thorough and he means, he wants us to contact him so intimately and so quickly that he got, he has that base covered too. Because guess what? We have the word of God in this dimension. Hallelujah. Man, I gotta tell you, I've never seen that before. I, I've looked at the word of God, but I've always looked at it just from a spiritual aspect. But God's got the, don't you think he cares about our soul and our body too? Oh, man, he does. He cares about our whole being. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is salvation. And the first thing, let's just talk a little bit about some of the uh, issues with salvation. Because when you talk about salvation, that therein begins our identity in Christ. Our identity in really who, who the Father made us originally to be begins with salvation. But you know what? It's fraught with a lot of misunderstanding. Is it works or is it grace? What about baptism? I mean, if you were just sprinkled, then you're not saved. I mean, because you have to be immersed. Or does it really matter if you're baptized for salvation? What about church membership? Well, I'm the member of the first chosen Baptist church. You guys aren't. We're the first chosen. Does that make a difference on salvation? What about praying a certain prayer? Well, I didn't pray the prayer that brother so-and-so prayed. When I, so I don't know if I, I don't know if that salvation counts or not. What about tithing and giving? Well, I've given ever since I was a little kid, even in vacation Bible school. I gave and gave my tithe 10% every time I got an income. So that's got to count for something. What about tattoos? (laughs) I'm saying this for Todd. Not because Todd has a tattoo, but because he worked for a guy (laughs) that would pull up his arm sleeve and say, he had a tattoo of Jesus, right? Right, Todd? What would he say? He'd say, there you go. It's all right, little brother. I'm covered. Because guess what? I got a tattoo of Jesus on my arm. (laughs) I mean, I laugh, but I mean, I'm serious. He was serious. You darn right. He was serious about it. I got it. I saw I got Jesus on my arm. Indelibly marked in my body. I'm covered. 
You know, and then, of course, the issue of can you lose it or not? Well, there's a good one to talk about. How many of us want, you want to enter into that debate this morning? Oh, come on. What's going on? You guys are all happy and everything. It'll end out well. So, but here's the issue, folks. Let's get into this. To really understand salvation in God, you have to understand who we really are. We have to understand who we really are. We are created in the image of God. That is an awesome ringtone. Listen to what Genesis 126 says. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Well, we need to know what God's image is because we're made in it to know who we are. Does that make sense? Well, let's just settle it right now. God is three in one. He's a three in one being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if he's three in one, then that means if we're creating his image, then we must be three in one as well. And that is in fact the case. We're created a three in one being. We are spirit first. We have a soul. We live in a body. Let's say our confession this morning. Say, everybody say this. I am spirit first. Created in the image of my heavenly father. I am spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Amen. I mean, that's a good, that's a good thing to confess because you need to bring a renewal to your mind about who you really are. You're not just old sack of meat subject to the frailties and sicknesses and things going on around. You're not just an intellect that can go and get all kinds of initials behind your name as you apply yourself to all the disciplines of learning. You're not just a bag of emotions subject to the whims of circumstances. Amen, now come on. Yeah, that's right, man. We, We are three in one. We are spirit first. We have a soul. We live in a body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, listen to what it says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless in the coming of the Lord Jesus. There it is laid out explicitly, the separation of every part of who we are. And he's talking about each of those being set apart to be preserved blameless. Listen to what Hebrews 4.12 says. For the word of God is living and and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. So we see here Paul talking about actually dividing the two, soul and spirit. He doesn't talk about the body. That's self-evident. We can see that. We can smell that thing too sometimes. So that's self-evident. But the spirit and soul sometimes aren't so easily seen. And to realize, oh, I am spirit in addition to my ability to think and reason and make decisions, well, then how do we see that separated? Well, it's separated by the word of God. So because our identity or our being is composed of these three parts, then we have to understand that all of these have to identify with and experience salvation. It's not just your spirit. That's not the only thing that gets taken care of folks in the salvation process. That's not the only thing subject to salvation. That's what we're going to talk about. So let's go a little bit further here, and we need to identify the elements of our being. Those of you all that came on Wednesday night, this is going to be a little bit of rehash for you, but you know what? Praise the Lord. God will stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Amen. I love going through this stuff. Man, I tell you, I don't, I've been through this stuff hundreds of times. I've taught it. And I, I, every time I go through it, it's like, yes. It's like fresh water. Because it's truth. Hallelujah. Let's talk about our spirit first because that's what we know little, you know, little about so oftentimes compared to the other two. The spirit. Well, who, who are you spirit? Well, you, the spirit is your essence of life with God or apart from him. Just because you don't know, if you didn't know God as your personal Lord and Savior, doesn't mean you don't have a spirit. You have a spirit. Every single one does. And also, too, let's go ahead and settle this. There's a little bit of confusion about spiritual death. Spiritual death, death really in the Bible doesn't mean cessation of life. Everybody's like, what the heck are you talking about? Because if you die, you cease to exist. No, 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 no. Nope. And even your physical body 
It may, be, may mineralize and be a part of this earth for a while, but at one point in time, it's going to get called up out of there too. And it's going to go one of two places. Well, we don't have time to preach on that. The new birth, then, is a birth in the Spirit. It's a recreation of your spirit being made alive unto God. It's the part of you being of your being that actually contacts the spirit realm. That's how you contact the spirit realm. You don't contact it with your soul. You don't contact it with your body. You contact it with your spirit. And for the Christian, it is the pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, or deep breath of God. That's how it's translated from the old, from the original language, pneuma, spirit. So God created man in his image. He created him spirit first. And in fact, we don't even see the animation of the body brought to being until God touches his mouth to the mouth and nose of the, of the person and breathes that essence into the person. What was it he breath, breathed into him? Spirit. Spirit. Hallelujah. Listen to what Genesis 2, 7 says. And Lord, God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Spirit's often referred to as the heart. Romans 10, 10, for the, with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can't believe with this physical ticker. That makes no sense. So he has to be talking about something else there when he's talking about the heart. Well, he's talking about the heart of your being, which is your spirit. With your spirit, you believe. And really, there's a connection between your spirit and soul in the process. Hallelujah. It's the center of your being. That's your spirit. God is spirit. We're created in his likeness. So we're spirit. We fellowship with him in spirit. Animals do not have spirits. They have souls. They have emotions. They have feelings. They have personality. They do not have spirit. That separates us right there from all of creation because I don't know about you, but there's nothing in my Bible that says God reached down when he made a blue whale and breathed the breath of life into him. He didn't, he didn't touch his lips to, to a gorilla and breathe life into it. Oh, come on now. Man, there's a lot of places to go and preach right there, but I don't have time to do it. What is the spirit then? Let's continue looking at this. It's the inward man. Second Corinthians 4.16. For which cause we faint not, but though outward man perish... Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. See, we see a separation right there of the outward man, which is our physical man, and the inward man. That's the inner man of the heart, the spirit. And it talks about him being renewed. Man, that's awesome. So it's the internal or inner man, the conscience. Romans 7, 22 says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, he's talking about the same man that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. 1 Peter 3, 4 talks about the hidden man of the heart, again, about it being not corruptible. There's another th- way to refer to the spirit, the belly. The belly. Not talking about that thing which is some of us have bigger than others. That thing that is, ah, doggone thing. Man, you can pump up your arms and your chest, but that doggone belly, my goodness, Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> the belly. John seven thirty seven says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That living water doesn't come up out of your reasoning. It doesn't come up out of your intellect and your mastery of knowledge. That living water comes from within you, and it's a divine deposit and enablement. And you know what it is? It's the manifestation of his presence in your life, issuing forth as you open up your your vessel and let it go. Hallelujah. Listen to what Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Your spirit is the light that God will use to shine and bring understanding to your soul. If you leave your spirit out of the process, forget it. You're not going to get a lot of understanding about the things of God. 
Your spirit is what contacts him and receives the revelation to then bring understanding to your, to your mind. <clears throat> so let's talk about the soul. The soul is the dimension of man that deals with the mental realm. It's the intellect, the sensibilities, the will, the reasonings, the emotions. And the part, it's a part that reasons, it's a part that thinks, decides, and relates in emotion. Talking about the soul here, loosely, it is the mind, will, and emotion. It, too, is really loosely comprised of three parts, the mind, will, and emotions, talking about the soul. It's the core of your personality. It's your uniqueness as an individual is there in your soul. It's the suke. That's the original language. And actually, we get the word psyche from that that all of us may know about, and the word psychology comes from. Or the shallow breath. It's not that deep, sustaining breath. It's a shallow breath of life. So we're very familiar with the attributes of our soul, so we don't need to really spend a whole lot of time, you know, locating those. I mean, we're well familiar with how the soul works. But we do need to understand how the soul works in relationship with God and the role that it's supposed to play. And then most importantly, how it becomes saved. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Because of its nature, the soul does not contact the spirit realm, and it therefore cannot receive from it by way of it, the only way it receives is by way of connection with your spirit. Listen to what First Corinthians two fourteen says. But the natural man, everybody say the natural man. Okay, the natural man. What about the natural man, Greg? Well, listen to what Paul says. Does not receive the things of God. How much clearly clear can we be about that? But yet we try to access and receive everything from God with the natural man. We seek to receive from God in his hand by the natural man first, and, and the whole time the access point is being dragged along. Help us, Lord. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man here is the suke man, the psyche. That's what it comes from, the original language. And that word natural comes from the original language, suke or psyche. So if trying to reason or understand the things of the Spirit through your soul will never work, folks. It's not going to work. You receive revelation through your spirit by the word of God, which then brings understanding to your mind. Okay, that's the process. We talked about Proverbs 20, 27. Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. God uses your spirit to enlighten you. He uses it to contact your inner man by way of his spirit. And see, the thing about the soul is you have to be careful because if you are soul-dominated, then you're going to be knowledge-dominated. Everything in your experience will have to be based on knowledge. You have to understand in order to believe. Seeing is believing. That's knowledge. Seeing is understanding. Seeing is knowledge. And if you say seeing is believing, then you, then you will never access the fullness of the kingdom of God because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And faith is not knowledge. It is not your ability to comprehend mentally. Faith is, is in another dimension. It's accessing another dimension outside the dimension of knowledge. Okay. And the problem is we've got to be careful that we don't get taken up with knowledge and leave the spirit behind. And that's what happens so oftentimes, even in church, yes, Yes, five-fold ministers, yes. Get taken up with knowledge and leave the spirit behind. You know, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. You know what that means? Oh, let me just put that down in a common, good old Noble County vernacular. Knowledge gives you big head. Oh, it does. That's exactly what that word puffs up means. It means it inflates your head. So the soul contacts the intellectual realm. Its voice is largely reasoning and, and, and emotion. Let's talk just a little bit about um, the body. Body is self-evident. We really don't have to talk a whole lot about it. But what does it do? It contacts the physical realm. Senses are the voice of the body. The voice of the spirit, we failed to talk about that, is, is your conscience. The inward man pricking and moving the, tr the truth of, and law of God to an illumination of your soul, driving it. 
That's the voice of your spirit. So if we understand then that we are three in one, we understand our true nature of who we are, then we can better understand salvation, folks, in our life of God in Christ. And it applies to our whole being, salvation does. So there's really then three levels of salvation. And, and, and I, I'll tell you that you don't hear this taught a lot in church. I mean, you hear John 3.16, and you hear Romans 10, 9 and 10, and you hear aspects of those issues that pertain really unto the spiritual salvation, but then the rest of it is a little gray area. You don't hear a lot of definitive teaching from the Word, I, I don't anyway, that about this issue, that salvation is applied fully to all of our being, so, spirit, soul, and body, but it's not the same, and it doesn't happen the same way. So we have to understand this. The spirit, now everyone listen to this, salvation as it pertains to your spirit happens upon a true and genuine, genuine drawing by the, by the word of God, the gospel that has pricked your heart, has shown you that you are separated from God. You are, are brought to a place of wanting to change, wanting to accept the fact that I'll never make it to God except by way of Jesus Christ. You believe in your heart, confess him as Lord, and then 2 Corinthians 5.17, then you're made a new creature in Christ. Hallelujah. Old things passed away, all things become new. That is the spiritual salvation. That's what everybody is very familiar with. But what about the other two parts of your being? Soul experience, the soul experience of salvation. The soul happens throughout your life, folks. It's not a one-time shot. The soul is not a destiny, it's a process or a journey. You're going to be journeying in the salvation of your soul. And I might, and this uh, thus saith Greg now, but I might go on to say that really the salvation of the soul never stops, even when we get with Jesus, because it says for the ages to come, he's going to be manifesting and unfolding the virtues of his grace to us. So see, really, we're going to be learning even when we're in heaven. We're not going to come to a place that we receive all the knowledge there is to know about God. And in fact, we can look in Revelations and we can see that the elders before the throne and the cherubim, seraphim, and all those bims and bims and sons and whatever that are around the throne of God that are beholding his presence and essence 24-7 or every time that something happens. I mean, it's just constant, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty because there's a new manifestation of his grace. There's a new manifestation of his power. There's a continual revelation. God is infinite, folks. He's not finite. And it's going to take all of eternity for us to learn about him. Hallelujah. So soul salvation never stops, I think, thus saith Greg. Certainly in this earth it doesn't stop. Process, not destination. Journey, not destination. Body, when will that happen? It happens easy. It happens when Christ returns. In the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. It says that will the corruptible will take on incorruptible. And man, I mean, like if, it, 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 we're, if, if Christ comes and I, 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 I hope he comes before I have to die a physical death. It's going to be awesome. Now, the cool thing about it is, and I guess it's not so cool, but it is kind of cool because it just shows that the, the last will be first, but grandma is going to go before me. I'm going to see grandma's body up first before mine. And I'm going to be like, Hey, grandma, let's go. Yeah. Come on now. It's the truth. I'm having, I, I'm not making light of it. It's the absolute truth. I mean, God's going to redeem those that are already have been corrupted by death. He's going to bring them up out of the grave first. Hallelujah. That's what the word says. Spirit salvation, John 3, 1 through 7. You can see this absolutely modeled in this scripture. Jesus testifies to Nicodemus regarding the need to be born again. Born again. I mean, it's like, where do we get that concept of born again? Well, it comes right here from John chapter 3 in the relationship of Jesus to Nicodemus. He clearly shows that salvation applies to our spirit man. Listen to what Jesus said. Well, I don't have time to go and read that whole uh, verse, but I want you to go read that story. Talking about spirit salvation now. And the fact that we're going that our spirit's not the only thing that gets saved, our soul and our flesh do as well, but we're talking about spirit salvation. Verse 6, Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He's talking to Nicodemus and telling him right here that there's a separation between uh, the birth process here. 
that you can be born of the Spirit and born of the flesh. And the fact that is that if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you have to be born again, is what Jesus told him. And Nicodemus is like, oh, master, I'm grown. Am I going to enter again into my mother's womb and come out? He was looking at the dimension that we see and touch and taste and feel. He couldn't see that there was another dimension. It's called the Spirit. And that's what we're talking about is the salvation process of the Spirit. And that salvation process is the rebirthing and recreation of your inner man into the nature of God. A new species, actually, if you look at the, at the original language, a new species even. It's nothing like it was before. 2 Corinthians 5.17, there it is again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. All things have become new. But I don't know about you folks, but whenever I became saved, whenever I've seen other people that have lived, you know, when I became saved, I was six years old, so I didn't know a whole lot. I was pretty innocent, pretty naive. But I've seen many other people that become saved later as an adult after they'd lived their life, a reprobate life. They get saved, and I I don't know about you, but if they cussed before, they kept on cussing a lot of times. Oh, come on now. Can anybody ever slip up their hand and say that was me? Well, wait a minute now, Chris. Then you didn't really get saved, brother. Chris said he cussed a lot, man, after he got saved. Well, you did before, right? And you did afterwards. What's going on there? Is that a genuine salvation experience? Come on now, folks. We're talking about spirit, soul, and body. The reason why is because his spirit was recreated in a new man, but not his soul. His soul's not recreated a new man. Man, when are we going to learn this? But yet religion will take the whip and say, your salvation experience wasn't real because you didn't conform to the righteousness on the inside. Oh, come on now. Just bring the hammer down. Boom, you cussed, you didn't really get saved. And the truth of the matter is, he's more saved a lot of times than some of the people that have been living their life, man, breathing out that religious junk, who want to identify more with works than they do the grace of God to accomplish what it is that gives them their eternal life. And my brother is saved because the Spirit of God recreated him. He responded to the message, and yes, he may have some issues to work out, work that salvation from the inward man outward. See, that's the thing about the salvation of God. It always is about the inward first. It's never about the outward first. If it starts from the outward working way in, that's religion. Everything that starts from the outside and works its way in to hammer in righteousness is nothing but dirty, stale, stinking religion. I tell you what, man, I'm, I'm getting working up a preach here. Okay, so how does soul salvation occur, and when does it occur? i got to tell you that soul salvation, okay, I'm sorry, I'm talk, we're talking about spirit salvation. It's one time, and it's complete when it happens, and it's whenever you respond to the call. It's whenever you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. You respond to the drawing of the Father God unto that message. And when you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you are transformed, made a new creature in Christ forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The Spirit is recreated a new being. It's one time and it's complete when it happens, folks. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. So here's something to talk about. I can't believe how time has gone. Because it's a spiritual experience, it's with our spirit that we know we're saved. This is an important thing to talk about. The soul is subject to condemnation and fickleness of feeling, folks, because it exists in the dimension where our emotions are at. The emotions are associated in the dimension of the soul. So if you limit your understanding and your ability to receive salvation based on your soul, then your ability to know whether or not you're saved is going to be up one day and down the next as circumstances levy against you things that cause an emotional response. Do you see that? Get out of your soul and get into the spirit and accept by faith that you have confessed and believed in your heart. And here's the most important thing. 
Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you want to know that you're saved this morning, you're having doubt and disbelief about whether or not you had a salvation experience, then let me ask you a simple question. Can you get your mind quiet long enough to listen to the messenger in your heart? Is there a messenger that is bearing witness with your spirit that you know the living God, that you've been translated, transformed in his image? If there is... That's where, what you're looking for. That's your assurance, folks. It's not your mental assurance. It's your spiritual assurance. You're looking for the Spirit's witness with your spirit. It doesn't say the Spirit bears witness with our mind. It says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Hallelujah. And the result of the spiritual salvation, it's eternal life. John 3, 16, everyone knows that scripture. That's the result of this script of that salvation. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about soul salvation. We don't have much to talk about on body. We've already talked about that, so that's all we got really left to talk about, soul salvation. And we talked about a good, you know, case in point here with Chris. I mean, how did the fact that he retained old habits, that he still had to deal with those after he did receive genuinely a spiritual salvation, then that shows that he needs some, that the soul needs to be saved. It needs to be conformed to the image of the life within. Right? And I told you that's not a destination, that's a process. That's a journey. That's something that you're going to do from the day one for the rest of your life. And I submit by the say of Greg that it's going to be for eternity. I think, because we're going to be learning, learning about God forever. We are. And really what it is, it's working the life of God inside of you outward. That's soul salvation. It's taking the reality of who you are in the dimension of the Spirit and working it into this dimension. That's what it is. Listen to what Hebrews 10, 16 says. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Notice that the laws are put in the hearts first. See, that's the inward law of the heart. That's a spiritual thing. You have the law of God inside of you. Then what happens after Chris became saved? Then all of a sudden, Chris, did you have a consciousness of when you messed up? You did because you have, guess what? The inward law of the heart inside of you now. Not this driving law from the outside of, that was a whip going, you need to conform, but a law inside going, you know, that's not, that's not right. That's not going to result in life. That doesn't register with the life here. You know, make the change, make the change, make the adjustment. Get with someone that can help you make those adjustments. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you, like Jesus said. So, the laws are put in the heart, written on the mind. That's the process. That's the new nature of the inner man. And that's the avenue through which the mind is renewed. It's an avenue. And the consciousness, your conscience is the process by which that inner man nudges or inspires your mind and brings that salvation process. That's how the soul salvation process is worked out. Listen to what Romans 8, 5 through 7 says. Those who live, in, live according to the flesh have... Folks, Paul is talking... He's writing to Christians here. He ain't writing to people that don't believe in God. He's writing to Christians here. So are, is that, are people that are here, are we Christians? So if he wrote to Christians, then this applies to us, right? Would everybody agree with that? All right, let's listen to what Paul said. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what that flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Very simple. So let me ask you, as Christians, can you have your mind set on the flesh? Yeah, well, yeah, you can. And as Christians, can you have your mind set on the Spirit? Oh, yes, you can. So in other words, is there a choice to be made at all times? Oh, yes, there is. And listen to what it says, the result of which choice you make. The mind governed by the flesh is death. I don't know about you. I don't want any part of that. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Who wants some life and peace up in here? Yeah, man. Well, then I, I don't know about you, but I see pretty simply that all I have to do is set my mind on that, on the Spirit. And guess what the Spirit is? The renewed inner man. Set it, up, set it here on this compass. There's your compass right here. This is your direction right here. 
Set it on your heart. Set it on your renewed inner man. That's the process of soul salvation. It says the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, and it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Don't fool yourself. You've got to make the decision to submit it, an act of your will. And I'm just about done. I'm, I'm finished with time, but I'm, I got just two main real points to give here. Is everybody cool with that? Okay. So soul salvation, how does it occur? It occurs by way of the word of God. And it's a lifelong process. We talked about that. James 1.21. Listen, uh, you're going to have to go and read these scriptures for yourself. James 1.21. Receive with meekness the engrafted or implanted word which is able to save your souls. And that word souls there is translated from the original language that does mean what it means, the soul. And it's the engrafted word. It's not the word that you just hear. It's the word that comes in. You hear and it comes in and it gets planted in your mind. Planted. And that comes by way of your spirit, bringing illumination. That process of the inward law of the heart, it then writing to your mind. So I'm going to ask every one of you all at some point in time this week to read James 1, 21 through 25. That's the whole process of soul salvation. There it is right there. I'm not going to take time to read it. And I got to tell you that an integral part of that soul salvation is not just hearing the word, it's doing it. And you're going to see that when you go and read those verses. I wanted to have time to read them, but I do not have time to read those this morning. Everybody, James 1, 21 through 25, go and read about the process of soul salvation. It's hearing the word, allowing it to come into you and be an inspire or be an engrafted word, something that actually gets rooted, takes root and begins to grow, and then from that growth produces fruit in your life as you do it. As you do it. That's soul salvation. And, of course, the result of soul salvation is, we said it in Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I don't know about you, but that's the result of soul salvation. I want life and peace, all I can get. That's the result of soul salvation. You want life and peace? Get your soul saved. Simple, simple. Now, what about body salvation? Well, body salvation is the, is the full application of God's life and redemption to our physical body. That has yet to take place. It'll take place whenever the trumpet uh, blows and Jesus cracks the sky. Now, in the spirit, it's a finished work. It's done. And in fact, Jesus is the first fruits of that finished work. He received that body. You want to see an idea of what your body's going to be like? Just go in the Gospels, particularly in John, and read whenever Jesus came back and he appeared to his disciples and he walked through the wall and they are like, oh my goodness, is it a ghost? And he said, I tell you right now, man, it ain't a ghost. I got a physical body, but it's a recreated body and it's one that accesses all dimensions. It transcends all dimensions and he could transcend dimensions of that wall being there and walk right through it, but then at the same time, take a piece of broiled fish and put it down the hopper. He did. That's what they said. Does a, they said, does a ghost, uh, can you handle a ghost? Handle me. Feel me. And boy, they reached out, felt him, saw that. You know, of course, we know about Thomas. He ate a piece of fish. That wasn't the only time he did that because he ended up on the shore the last time they saw him, and he, was, he made, made breakfast for him. Ate fish then, too. That's going to be body salvation whenever your corruptible body takes on incorruptible. That's going to happen when Jesus cracks the sky. If you want to read about that, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and particularly verses 52 through 53. My goodness, it'll light your fire. Good, wonderful scripture. Okay, will you stand with me? Praise the Lord. So I went with about six minutes over here. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Father, we are grateful. I just, my heart just feels full, oh God. We're grateful, God, for, for the word, Father, that will bring light. Father, we invite the light into our lives. The light of the life of men, and his name is Jesus. He is the living word. Jesus, we want you to be engrafted in our souls. We want you to come in and be emplaced in a fixed position. 
that cannot be touched and uprooted, but will grow as the mustard seed, and it will produce a, a very, very large, mature growth and harvest for the benefit of the kingdom and the glory of our Father. Lord God, I thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who is the teacher. I'm not the teacher, Lord. You are, Holy Ghost. You're precious, and I thank you for the work in every life here and that you'll bring to our remembrance the things that were spoken. And we just want to say thank you for our salvation. Thank you. Thank you that we are going to be able to live, those that have, that have believed and received, in eternal life with you, O oh God. And those that haven't received, O oh God, they can too if they'll just accept. <laughs> and I just want to extend an opportunity. If you are here this morning and you cannot say, I don't know if I have received the eternal life and nature of God on the inside, then I would invite you this morning. It's very simple. All you have to do, it says, is call on the name of the Lord. You know, and I, I, just, I just want to just ask this morning, would you, would you take today's opportunity and do that? Let's don't, let's don't wait until another hour goes by and then we'll do it whenever I get in the privacy of my home. Let's do it right now in front of brothers and sisters who would rise up behind and lift you up and hold you up in celebration of your homecoming. I just invite you right now this morning, if you would come down. Jesus gave his all, so the least we could do is come down and receive that. I ask you this morning, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you come? Would you respond this morning? Very simple. Very simple. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for drawing, for drawing our hearts. Praise you, Lord. Father, we just give you the glory and the honor and praise. Thank you that you go with us, Lord, and no evil will befall us or disaster come near us as we are your covenant children. In Jesus' name, amen.